Welcome to Tips from the Server Room. This podcast is designed for all you systems admins, network specialists, or the guys and gals out there in the office who handles it all. Sit back, relax, grab a beverage, and enjoy Tips from the Server Room. Hey, welcome back, everybody, once again to Tips from the Server Room. This is episode number 98 for October the 13th, 2015. I'm your host, Jack. I'm going to help guide you through all this magical world of internets, connectivity, networking, fiber optic servers, Linux servers, Windows servers, uh, some Mac OS. We talk a little bit about everything on this show. This is our first maiden voyage of a live show. Uh, where we'll be uh, recording this uh, live across the YouTube stream to see how it looks. And um, just one of those things I want to know, uh, play around a little bit to see what it looks like and how it's going to uh, turn out there for us. So hopefully the audio is coming to uh, out there okay live on YouTube and uh, everything's uh, going the proper direction. This show is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Check out all the great tech shows at techpodcast.com. We're also syndicated across Stitcher.com. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R.com. This is a place where you can pick up this show as well as many other podcasts and genres. Check out all the great shows on Stitcher. You can download the app to your smartphone today. Folks, if you have a minute, please check out our website at tipsfromtheserverroom.com. That's tipsfromtheserverroom.com where you can comment on these shows. You can also leave me a voice message at 724 724- 7010550 once again that's 7247010550 if you have any questions or ideas for future shows i would love to hear from you you can email me at jackstechcorner@gmail.com you can also follow me on twitter and as at @technoman let's first start off here a little bit uh, making sure the audios are just uh, high enough there that you're going to be uh, hearing this show okay and um, picking this up okay, I don't want it too high in my ears, but I want the audio to be coming out there to you live and in living color. Folks, this show is, as I said, episode number 98. I tried to record these live before and had a lot of problems trying to record. It was killing the computer. Uh, it, it was crushing the CPU here trying to broadcast it and record it and uh, do that other stuff because I was trying to uh, broadcast it and record with ScreenFlow. Uh, it didn't seem to work out the way I wanted it to. So tonight I decided I'm going to try to stream this live over YouTube and bring this to you live and in living color with the YouTube stream. Now, YouTube has a lot of differences over a service such as Vaughn Live or one of the other services is that it's recording it for you as we go along. You can DVR it. That means if you're just coming into the show and you think, hey, I missed the opener, I want to see that or hear that, just slide the little DVR thing back and it'll start playing again. And then you'll catch the whole show. It's also nice because this is going to be recorded for future. So you can watch this, uh, watch me creating this podcast anytime you wish. But you can also pick the podcast up at tipsfromtheserverroom.com. You can also get this podcast through iTunes. And as I said, the techpodcast.com uh, network, as well as Stitcher. So there's a lot of ways you can pick this show up, subscribe to it and download it each and every week there to your favorite uh, pod catcher, uh, to say the very uh, least there. So hopefully everything's coming out okay there to you tonight. Uh, we are broadcasting, I said, live and in living color, full HD, 
So we'll see how it goes. So tonight we're going to be talking about storage. And I came upon this uh, topic because uh, of work, obviously. And at work, you know, we always need more storage. And I thought, I'm going to take you through some of the planning steps and some ideas that we had uh, when you're conducting your surveys, when you're conducting your overall um, storage needs for your company. I think that's really, really huge. So first of all about storage, there's a lot of plans that need to be made when we are talking about storage. This could either be for your VM storage or setting up data stores for your VMs, or it could be as simple as file storage and how we want to store our users' data. So there's two different types of storage scenarios. Uh, let's face it, most of us at this time are using VMs or virtual machines on our servers. And uh, you can either store those uh, locally, which we're going to talk about here in a few seconds, or you can store those, uh, you know, we talked about the Azure. So now you can store those off-site uh, in the cloud there. You can definitely do that. Or you can store this stuff, um, you know, uh, on a NAS uh, or a network-attached storage device is what we chose. And there's a couple reasons for that. And when we get into NAS, I'll talk to you about or explain to you why um, we kind of chose the NAS direction over local storage. Now, in this show, I thought I would share some of my findings um, that we are considering storage solutions or how you consider some storage solutions. And remember the golden rule. The golden rule is your company will never use less storage. It just won't happen. Uh, today's data storage is just getting more and more and more. And I think that reverts back to, I know myself personally, is housekeeping. Uh, it, you know, I was looking at a new storage array for my house and I'm looking at the Western digital, uh, dual array. So it's a mirrored drive. There's two, four terabyte drives in the case. And in that case, it also has a, uh, a network attached on the back. The idea is you're going to have your own personal Dropbox, your own personal cloud-based storage. Uh, I think that's kind of cool because, uh, you take care of the security of it. Uh, you're taking care of, you know, your own files. Uh, it comes with a app that goes on your smartphone. And when you take a picture, it mysteriously goes through the cloud and it finds your home storage device. And it puts that in fo those photos on there automatically. So then when you come home, you can access them through your computer, just as it would be any other attached drive. So it's really a win-win situation. And that's kind of what I'm looking for at home. Because I found <laughs> that my housekeeping, as far as not cleaning my desk obviously I do clean the desk uh, maybe not so much the studio as much as I want but I found that the um, I, I don't tend to delete a lot of stuff I think that's the big thing is I don't delete a lot of files and I think that's pretty much all of us out there uh, we don't tend to delete stuff we tend to just keep storing it and storing it and storing it I have old stuff and and you know on old drives um, I had a three terabyte drive here and a two terabyte drive and the room heat will kill you. We talk about heat all the time and the room actually got too hot and it killed both of those external drives. So, I mean, it does happen to the best of us. It's something you have to get over. You have to move on and cut your losses and just say, Hey, you know, I do my very best. And we'll talk about some stuff. Um, personal wise, if you do any consulting for uh, personal homes, I know, you know, we always talk about consulting in business. Uh, and I know I do some consulting work for people in their homes, and uh, I know that's a big consideration is how do we back up our, our information or our data? And I have a couple solutions for you for that 
that you can talk about. So when we consider how much, uh, the answer really would be um, how much you can afford, but we also must consider the growth of the business. And the one thing that I don't want you to get caught up in over and over, I talk about this, is don't get caught up on limiting your data storage by the money you have available. And I know that's really a tough one. That's a tough one to swallow because everybody, every industry, every business that you work in, no matter if it's a nonprofit business or if it's a for-profit multi-trillion dollar company, you're going to have a budget restraint that you have to stick with. That's just simple facts of life. And when we talk about that simple fact of life, the thing we got to worry about is, um, you know, how much money we're going to have. So plan your data storage. If you're planning a new rollout of some new data storage, plan that data storage to the fact that you can do it before you have to write your budget. Don't write a budget and then go to your, you know, your CFO, your COO, your business manager, whoever you're dealing with. Don't go in there after your budget is written and say, whoa, wait, we need $10,000 for a new storage array. They're going to be a little bit upset with you, right? So we have to plan ahead and don't let the, you know, make sure you get this written in your budget so you're not letting the money part of it restrain you from what you really need to buy. Now, let's go into some of this, and some of this may be uh, irrelevant to you. Some of this may be something that you already know about, but just listen in anyway. I may hit something that you haven't heard of before, something you haven't considered, and uh, so just listen in and see what you think. So the first thing we're going to talk about is local storage. Now, this is the amount of storage that we have available on our local server. Uh, if you do this, and we used to do this when I owned my internet company, we had one server. We had very, very limited funds when we started out. I mean, we started a company with $10,000. Uh, try that today. You're going to be kind of pressed to do that. But we had $10,000. We knew we couldn't buy big server arrays and big storage units. So we wanted to start out small. And we knew we wanted to offer a couple things to our clients. We wanted to offer um, web page hosting uh, with every dial-up account because this was dial-up now. This was some time ago. We also had to make sure we had enough room for email storage and our websites uh, for the company because it was a, you know, it was a dial-up internet service and a web hosting company is what we owned. So if you take those considerations, I started looking at it and I said, wait, we want to make sure if the operating system would get hacked by anybody on the outside world, we want to at least have another partition on that hard drive. Or if the operating system gets corrupted, we don't want to have everything together on one disk. So we took that hard drive, and I don't even remember what size it was now. I mean, it, it was no way it is what it is today, folks. Uh, you know, today we're talking terabytes and terabyte drives. I think back then we were talking maybe 500 megabyte drives uh, when we were trying to run our business and getting it off the ground. So what happens is with that is you have to uh, start looking at that. So we partitioned that drive down. We gave just enough room for, and at that time we was running Windows NT 4.0, so that was a while ago. And, I mean, today we're running Windows Server 2012 R2, and we got all the bells and whistles. So we made a partition big enough to load Windows on, the server, Windows Server 4.0. And then the other partition housed the stuff like our email uh, package, because we did everything when we started on one server. And um, did it strain it? Yeah, it did. It did. It strained it, but... Back then, we didn't really have the multimedia stuff that we have today. Back then, we had more stuff uh, on the lines of, back then, we had more stuff on the lines of um, just HTML web pages, uh, just simple text pages. So 
it didn't really require a lot of storage. Like uh, I couldn't even fathom what YouTube is uh, storing these days on their servers uh, with all this video and the bandwidth they have to have now for streaming video. And as I'm streaming it, I'm recording it. Uh, we had nothing of that sort. So, but the basic idea here is if you're running a server and you're running local storage, at least do that. So if you have a small business and you're running something like small business server, Take that hard drive, partition it off so you have enough, you know, if you get a one terabyte drive, do something like 500 gig and 500 gig or, or figure it out. 200 gig is usually enough for an operating system and give the rest of it, you know, that would be like 800 gig over to, um, over to the other side of things and put that for your storage, for your file server, uh, maybe in the applications or if you're a small business, uh, host a website or an email server. You can do that on one server. Should you? Absolutely not. You should not do that. I'm not recommending you do that. Don't rush out and do that. What I am saying that you should do is think a little bit and uh, lay it out. Plan a nice uh, layout for that server. Now, the next thing we're going to talk about is NAS. Now, I like NAS because NAS is a separate box. And I realized once I started setting this show up thinking, boy, Jack, you're going to be going live here on YouTube. I could have had some pictures for you folks and showed some pictures of stuff. And uh, maybe next time if this works out, we do another live episode. Maybe we can talk a little bit and show you some pictures of what I'm talking about. But a NAS device is a network attached storage device. Now, there's typically no keyboard and no display. It's usually managed via a web browser utility program. Each NAS or network attached storage device resides on a LAN as an independent network node and it has its own IP address. This is key also when you're setting these boxes up. Never ever allow this box to be controlled by DHCP because if for some reason it gets rebooted, it picks up a new, new IP address, you're no longer going to see the box on your network and your drives are going to fail. It re it requires a good network connection. I'm talking about hook this thing up into a gigabit ethernet or gigabit networking switch. Uh, you know, don't hook this up on a, on a 10 megabyte hub uh, because you have a little hub laying around. You say, hey, I want to put that there. What we did, we bought a separate gigabyte switch. I think it's an eight port. Um, our NAS actually has two uh, network attached uh, or two NICs in it. And we come out of the two NICs into that switch, out of that switch, into our server and then from that server you know or, or from that nick or, or the switch we also go into our main switches so that way we have connectivity to that box throughout the whole entire network and we can still use it for our um our vms our virtual machines so it works out very very well now an important benefit of a nas is its ability to provide multiple clients on the network with access to the same files well servers can do that Prior to NAS, enterprises typically had hundreds or even thousands of discrete file servers that had to be separately configured and maintained. Today, when more storage capacity is required, NAS appliances can simply be outfitted with larger disks or clustered together to provide both vertical scalability and horizontal scalability. Many NAS vendors partner with cloud storage providers and provide customers with extra layer of redundancy for backing up files. And that's that's a big, a, a real big one there because the, uh, and we're going to talk about cloud storage. I can't do a, a do a storage show without talking about the cloud, right? That's 
kind of the catchphrase we all use nowadays. But the NAS device, uh, unlike local storage, local storage, once you set up all your shares and everything on it, they're on that local hard drive. You're not going to pop the case open, stick another drive in and cluster them together. You're not going to use scalability vertically and horizontally uh, to scale those servers. So a NAS device makes it nice because as you need more storage, you can simply add more NAS devices. And they start clustering together. So that file share that used to be 500 gig, uh, now you can give somebody a file share of one terabyte if you care to do so. That's the big benefit. The other benefit of it with using virtual machines is I can store all my VMs on my NAS box. Our particular NAS box has... I think there is, uh, let me think here, four, eight, there's 16 SAS drives. Now, if you never checked out a SAS drive, they run at 22,000 RPMs. They're extremely fast. And it's, it writes that data across all those 20, uh, or was it? No, all those 16 drives. The idea here is if one drive fails, I can pop it out, put a new drive in, and it will rebuild itself and rebuild all that data back into that drive. That's the key element here. That's the important part uh, of a NAS drive or network-attached storage drive. Another good thing is, is if you back these things up properly and the whole device goes down, you can remove the NAS, put a new one in, and rewrite that data to those drives. So it is a big benefit. Um, that's why even at home I'm looking for that smaller version. It's a, it's a Western Digital, like I said, and it's mirrored. The, the one drive, the one four terabyte drive just mirrors, writes all of its data to the other drive as it's getting written to. So you have two disks in the one box and everything's controlled by software. So, you know, it's very, very simplistic to use. Uh, all the reviews have been good I've been reading. So that looks like something I'm gonna be purchasing here very soon. Because again, I store a ton of video. I store a ton of these podcasts on the computer and uh, my iMac here is starting to take a turn for the worse because it's getting really uh, kind of overfilled at this point. So the next thing we're going to talk about on this segment is, okay, we covered local storage. We covered network attached storage. The next thing we have to cover if you talk about storage is cloud-based storage, and we're all familiar with it. Uh, I even talked to one of our clients today, and I said, boy, uh, Jack, I've been using Dropbox uh, for quite a while now, for years, but it's, it's full. Uh, because you start storing videos in there and, and audio clips or whatever, and it does get full and it gets costly. I don't know what Dropbox now is what like a hundred bucks a year or something, or I don't know ten bucks a month. Uh, so it does get very very costly to purchase that on your own. Uh, if you're talking about companies, we're talking about a little different scenario. Um, I'm not a big person to use Dropbox for a company. I don't think that's the exact platform I want to uh, use. You know, I'd rather use one of the companies out there that's going to provide you something like uh, uh, like Microsoft with Azure. Azure is made for business, and it's kind of more secure, I guess. I guess I'm saying than Dropbox. Um, but there's a lot of local cloud storages that our clients are using today. They could be using Google Drive. Uh, Google Drive now gives you a ton of storage. And if you're in the education business, Google Drive just came out with unlimited storage. So... All of our clients now have unlimited storage. I can't pay for that. I mean, I can't provide unlimited storage. And they use that. I know you're going to say, Jack, uh, you know, the only thing difference between, I can say, Dropbox and Google Apps. Google Apps is how it's our domain, okay? So it's working for us. 
now would you use uh, Google Drive, a personal Google Drive, for a doctor's office? Probably not. I, I probably wouldn't suggest that. But a lot of the doctor's offices are starting to go now with the Microsoft solution, and they're starting to go uh, using their cloud services, you know, because they have all the great uh, office applications online, and it just simply works for them. So, again, is it the best solution? Maybe, maybe not. But the cloud solution, let's go over this a little bit, is a model of data storage where the digital data is stored in logical pools. The physical storage spans multiple servers. This is something that I took uh, with me when I went to a budget meeting once. I said, look, if we go with Google Apps and there are multiple servers that Google provides us in education, it's free. Or if we take um, multiple servers in our rack, we couldn't afford to, to buy what we are offered for free. And, you know, that's the big thing. That's what cloud-based storage gives you. When you buy into something, like even if you use Amazon's, uh, I forget the name of it, S3. Uh, don't quote me on that. But if you use Amazon's storage devices and Amazon is there to do nothing more than store your data for you, they provide multiple servers over multiple geographical areas. You can't provide that either in your business. Your business, at best, has an upstairs, a downstairs, and maybe a basement. Yeah, we can put servers in all three floors, but if there's a flood, hurricane, tornado, a fire in your industry, and your whole entire uh, building burns down to the ground, hopefully not, you're going to lose every single backup system you have will be gone because it's in that one structure. And that's not a good thing. And it happened to a lot of really good businesses on the East Coast, in New York City when a hurricane came through, and if you uh, remember seeing those pictures, if not, you can Google those, where the floodwaters went into buildings, into major industries, and most buildings, the server farms, the server rooms, are in the basement or down below ground level because it's cooler, it's easier to control the climate, and uh, you don't have to use as much air conditioning. So if it's, if it's controlled and everything gets in there, again, they lost a ton of data. Same thing happened in New Orleans when the hurricanes went through there and came up and, and the, the levee broke. Everything got flooded. They lost a ton of stuff. So, folks, if you're not looking at cloud storage, if you're not looking at a solution such as the uh, Barracuda Backup, we talked about that many, many times. Uh, again, they're not a sponsor of the show. I don't get anything from them. But if I use something and I believe in it, I'm going to spread the word and tell you it's a great solution. Uh, the initial layout is a little expensive because you have to buy one of the Barracuda storage servers for your rack. But once you get it set up and running, man, you can sleep at night. Your building can blow over, burn down. Uh, it can disintegrate completely. And you're going to be just fine with your data because they store it in multiple locations. And that's what cloud storage has given us. So it spans over multiple servers and often locations. And the physical environment is typically owned and managed by a hosting company. The cloud storage providers are responsible for keeping your data available and accessible and the physical environment protected and running. People and organizations buy or lease storage capacity from the providers to store user, organization, and application data. Cloud storage services may be accessed through a co-located cloud computer service or a web service application programming interface, an API, or by applications that utilize an API, such as cloud desktop storage, 
a cloud storage gateway or a web-based content management system. Whatever type of storage you choose, uh, you should be, well, that's my stuff there. Hold on. We'll go back here in a second. The thing, we're going to back up a little bit. So cloud storage, I know I have a backup service here and I'm not happy with them. And I'll tell you who they are actually, because I told them I'm not happy with them. It's called Blaze Backup. Blaze Backup. Uh, I pay these people uh, like $150 a year for unlimited storage. And the reason I didn't go with one of the other services for, you know, $59 a year unlimited storage is because they kind of lie to you about that. And the way they get you on your personal computer is the video, like if you have anything labeled video, uh, or if you put your video under my pictures, and you know what, like when you do a backup, you check what you want to back up. Well, most of those services uncheck the video. So every time I would do a video, I'd do a recording, uh, either for my photography show or if I do something for tips from the server room, what would happen is I'd have to go in and remember to check that so it would back up. Well, that's not unattended backup. And they do that because they don't want people storing video on their servers. And uh, I went round and round with them. I said, look, your software is flawed. It doesn't work right. And they said, it's exactly the way it should work. Now, why don't I like Blaze Backup? Blaze Backup, I pay them an extraordinary amount of money, $150, $159 a year for unlimited backup. And it does, a, it does a good job backing up. Let me say that first. So everything on my computer, it goes out, you know, like as I do this podcast, when I save it as an MP3, it will automatically get uploaded to the Blaze Backup server. Remember them hard drives I told you that I had? Well, it will, it will do external hard drives. So it does your external hard drives, but the external hard drives quit working. They failed. Now, when something fails, where do you go? You go to your backup. I said, I told my wife, no problem. I have a backup server running. I paid a lot of money for it. I'm going to go out and I'm going to download all of our photos and all the video I had and pull that back to my computer. Well, I went on and all of a sudden that hard drive was no longer there. It disappeared. So I contacted Blaze Backup, and Blaze Backup says, well, we haven't seen that hard drive for 10 days, so we didn't think you wanted this data anymore, and we deleted it all. Folks, it's a backup service. The idea of the backup service is to always keep your files there for eternity. It wonder if I died and, you know, people in my house was mourning my death, hopefully, and, and all of a sudden... They want to get the pictures back and they're like, oh, well, the, you know, uh, the computer wasn't turned on for 10 days uh, because, you know, Jack is no longer here. Would Blaze Backup just delete all my files? I guess that's their policy. Uh, so when my contract runs out with them at the end of the year, I am done with them. I'm finished. Uh, I'd rather use something on a local backup with Time Machine. If I lose my own hard drives, then I lose my own hard drives. That's my fault. That's nobody else's fault. But if I'm paying you to protect my data, Damn it, protect my data. Okay, that's the big thing. So um, getting back to the cloud-based services and why I liked the Blaze or I liked, I used Mosey before. Mosey is the one that doesn't do video automatically. Uh, there was another service out there that everybody brags about that doesn't do video automatically is I can go to any computer that has an internet connection, log into a website, and I can get those files back. That's the same thing I like about Barracuda. I could be anywhere in the world, as long as I have an internet connection, have one of my clients call me up on the phone and say, Jack, uh, I just deleted a file accidentally. Do you think you can get it back? I know you're out of town. I'm like, wait, hold on. I open a laptop. I log on the website and I find the file they want. Click restore. 
it gets restored through the internet back through the Barracuda server back into their file folder. So I don't even have to be in the office to do that. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So it works really, really well to have that type of control over your backup. If you're still using tapes, God bless you. Don't do that. Throw them away, burn them, scrap them, whatever, because it's a false sense of security. Uh, it seems like every time you go to put a tape in, every time you go to, and, and no re, don't get me wrong, they're backing up okay. They're spinning it nice. They're backing everything up. You think if you're not doing file bit per bit backup, if you're running it to tape and you put that tape in, and this has happened to me many times, you put that tape in, uh, and the software doesn't launch. You might not get it back. It's got to be writ. It's got to be uh, read by the same software that it was written with. And that's a big no-no with backup. You want to just be able to download the file and get it back. Also, every time I put a tape in, you get uh, uh, wrong data set. Wrong data set. It's just ridiculous. Uh, tapes are also they don't last forever. I've been in companies and they said, I said, "Well, when did you buy your tapes last?" And I said, "Well." I think it was 1959 we bought those six, but we've been we've been using them over and over and over every week and rotating those. Well, that's the proper way to do it, but they don't have a shelf life of, you know, 40 years uh, by any means, even 10. Uh, you should replace those at least every, you know, two, maybe three years. Throw them things away and buy yourself some new tapes, uh, but, but don't use tapes. Hard drive storage is so cheap. Find yourself a cloud-based storage service, set it up, and back up to the cloud. At least that way it's away from you. You don't have to deal with it. Okay, folks, so whatever type of storage you choose, uh, you should not be limited. We talked about this, about money or time. Now, I know you have to stay within budgets. We have to worry about that. But when you're setting up a plan, or when you're setting up a budget plan, plan on spending enough money to get what your company will grow into. Never buy enough storage for what you need today. Buy enough storage for what your company is going to grow into. That is so very important. And make sure that you are looking far enough ahead. And remember, I think the golden rule is for me, uh, the way I do things, if you live in my kind of uh, weird little technology world of administration, the way I do it, if I used uh, a terabyte this year, and I'm buying something for next year, I would play almost, you know, if not double that, triple that, maybe go to three terabytes. Because it's not going to be, um, it's not going to be parallel. It's not going to be perfect linear across. You're not going to use a terabyte and then a terabyte. You may, in fact, use a terabyte and then 500 gigabyte. But remember my golden rule, you'll always use more storage. So if you do the terabyte and as, as uh, hard drives get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, uh, it would probably be better off to buy a three terabyte if you're going to be upgrading something like your NAS or something, or even more. Some companies may you may use um uh, what's it called uh, flops or floppabytes or flop. Well, you know what I'm talking about. I'm sure somebody will correct me in the email and say Jack, no, it's just you know, and and they talk about all these different levels. Uh, we still deal with terabytes. We don't deal with anything bigger than terabytes at this time. Thank goodness. Um, you know, I think that would probably drive me insane. Now. Also budget on your time. A lot of companies, a lot of administrators miss this. Uh, when we're writing budgets, you know, we sit down, we look at how much time it takes to implement something. Um, be that a, a, a computer lab rollout, be that, um, you know, uh, putting up uh, uh, projectors. Because it's not just buying the equipment. 
how much time is it going to take you? And you got to work off, you know, how many, however many employees you're going to have working in this, how many network specialists, if you're rolling out new fiber optics or network gear, it's not just the gear. It's not just the wire. It's not just the materials that we need. We have to worry about man hours uh, to fit that into your budget because that is a project spending approach. We don't want to do just a, you know, it's just it, so many people say, well, it's going to cost, I don't know, 900 and or no, it's going to cost $9,000 for 11 new switches or whatever it is. And they write that in their budget, 9,011 switches. But if you don't consider the man hours, because when we do this stuff, it is project-based. Everything is project-based. That's the important part. So if you think about this overall thing, think about the whole project itself and then go with that amount of money. So this can also include stuff like training. Training is very important. Uh, you know, if you need to train on it, it, you know, you need to add that into your overall budget. So hopefully you got something out of tonight's show. Uh, hopefully the live show recorded okay on YouTube. I don't know. I'll go back and look at it after the show. Uh, I did notice a little stop there on the, uh, I use Audacity to record the audio. Uh, we might have to rethink that. I might have to go back to recording maybe into uh, my uh, my phone or to the iPad where you're recording it as you know as an audio file onto those devices um, to keep that process off the computer when i'm streaming live but we'll see how that works out so folks hopefully you got something tonight uh, hopefully you enjoyed the live view um, i don't know i'll be posting it on uh, twitter uh, on tuesday nights when it's going to go live i'm hoping eight is my normal time to do this show uh, or eight fifteen, depending on what time we get uh, supper over with and when i can get up to the studio to do the show so um, you know, comment on these shows, comment on the YouTube video if it's going to be up there, and hopefully that's going to work out okay. Um, folks on the podcast, if you're looking for the YouTube video, uh, just go to YouTube and search for 42, the number 42 Technoman, and you'll find the YouTube video that goes along with tonight's podcast. Um, I may even put it on the actual podcast site, uh, tipsonserverum.com. Maybe I'll put a link in there to the show if it comes out okay. Uh, no promises there yet until I look at it. Now, folks, if you want to support this show and support things like streaming, support new cameras I might need if we ever get this up and running and we're streaming it live, uh, maybe a new processor, new computer might be a good thing if we're streaming live to really pump this stuff out of here. Uh, I got the broadband uh, connections here. I got fiber optics to the house now. So it, I got the bandwidth, but now I got to make sure I have enough processing power to get this out there to you. Uh, easy way to do that is use my Amazon link. If you go to tipsfromtheserverroom.com, uncheck your deactivate your ad blocker i know you have those on your computers most of you guys out there and girls run those uncheck that and so you can see the little amazon ad it's not a bad ad or anything it's not spammy or anything but whenever you buy anything from amazon click on my ad first save it as a bookmark and whenever you're going to buy it from amazon just rename it amazon click on that a little proceed comes back to the show it doesn't cost you anything more and whatever you buy it doesn't have to just be computer stuff folks it can be a it can be a new computer. Uh, some guy once bought a um, bought a Surface Pro on there, and you know that helped immensely to the show. It could be DVDs, CDs, whatever you buy, audio players, uh, you know, uh, car wax for your car, uh, bathroom hooks for your bathroom, whatever. Uh, but use that Amazon ad and that link. I really do appreciate it. And folks, a lot of you have been signing up lately, and I really do uh, appreciate it, and I enjoy paying it forward. I started this podcast because I wanted to be able to pay it forward what I my knowledge and share it with you. That's why I started this podcast some 
98 episodes ago now. That's quite a while. If you count back 98 weeks, I don't even know when I started these, but it's been quite a while ago. And I like to do that, and I created online courses. I teach Windows Server 2008 R2, Windows Server 2012 R2, and VMware ESXi 5.5 Server. Now, I teach these from install to administration and everything in between. So you get stuff like DNS, Active Directory. Uh, you get stuff like, uh, you know, file shares, uh, printer sharing, uh, printer installs, you know, network printers, all this stuff wrapped up in these courses. And all it is is you watch a video and you take a two or three question quiz. I've never seen anybody to flunk out of my courses. There's been thousands of people going through the courses and they're doing absolutely fine today. Some people use the courses to get a promotion at work. Maybe you're a network administrator and you want to be a server administrator. Some people use the courses to find a job. They put them with their resume and they get hired because they have that continuing education in there. Folks, I'll tell you straight out, uh, as of this recording, as of October the 13th, 2015, these courses are $250. So they're very, very reasonable. Check them out. Go to tipsfromtheserverroom.com. Look at the online class link at the top. Click on that and go down and click on you know the courses and they're all lined up in there. You just click on one. Once you go through the little PayPal thing, boom, you're on the course. There's no waiting to start. Uh, there's no, Jack, when are you going to start? I only got this day and this day and this day off. Uh, you know, I got these evenings I can sit with you and learn. The courses are on your own. Once you sign up, you're ready to go. I'm always there to ask questions. So don't think, well, I'm on my own and, and Jack can't help me. I'm always available. A lot of people email me and say, Jack, who can I turn if I don't understand it? Simply email me. Or the courses themselves, they're laid out. The online courses have a little chat feature. Go in there and you can send me a message and I will respond to you. So check those out at tipsfromtheserverroom.com. Once you complete the course, I will mail your certificate in the mail. And they are beautiful certificates ready for framing, ready to give your employer. Most employers do reimburse for this course. A lot of people took it and got reimbursed. So folks, that's it. That's my skit. That's my saying. That's all my, my cheesy advertisement for the night to you. And I hope that you enjoyed this show, and I hope that you, uh, if it's streaming live, I hope you come back next week and, and watch. Follow me on Twitter to see if that happens, and that is at Technoman. That's T-E-C-H-N-O-M-A-N. Thank you so much, folks, for joining me here at Tips from the Server Room. Thanks for downloading subscribing to the show, and I'll talk to you next week on Tips from the Server Room. Bye for now. You just listened to Tips from the Server Room with your host, Jack. If you have any questions, please drop me a comment at tipsfromtheserverroom.com. Thanks again for tuning in and downloading the shows. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the remainder of the music. We'll see you next week on Tips from the Server Room. So long.